and hello out there, all of you Lassoholics, and welcome back to Peanut Butter and Biscuits, your Ted Lasso fan cast from the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois. Uh, we are happy to be back here with you. We hope you enjoyed the case for Ted Becca in our last episode. Um, you know, what what an interesting... Uh, an interesting episode there. I, I might have converted. But I'm Jeremy Geckner, of course. We always do this, man. We always just get into the conversation. We don't want to wait. Um, but I'm Jeremy Geckner, and as always, here with me, my co-host, Mr. Craig McFarland. What is up? Hey, you know, it's funny. Tale of two social media. So I posted a poll <laughs> in our Peanut Butter and Biscuits uh, pa- Facebook page, and that was like 70-30 against Ted Becca. Yeah. And then I posted it on Twitter and Twitter has quite the Ted Becca following. Say, Tori's so made some the, inroads there. <laughs> it, it was almost the exact opposite. So Twitter, Tori had it at 70-30 in favor of Ted Becca. So, and they had more votes on Twitter. So I'm just saying that I think that it is something that people are interested in seeing happen in season three. But, but no, uh, we do just dive right into these episodes, don't we? Much like we <laughs> dove right into the geekiness of Ted Lasso at St. Louis Fan Expo, that- right? That's, that's the segue ability that got us uh, hosting panels at Fan Expo, folks. Um, no, uh, this this was, uh, of course, we teased this uh, on a few episodes uh, here of Peanut Butter and Biscuits and, of course, all over the Front Row Network. Um, but, yes, we recently did get to do our first live episode of Peanut Butter and Biscuits at Fan Expo St. Louis. Um, it was a total blast. Uh, Craig and I are going to be recording an episode just recounting the nutsness of our entire weekend there. But um, we are also, uh, as promised, though, bringing you our live episode here. So um, if you were in the group, you might have actually caught this live as it was happening. Um, We did put this out over our our Facebook page. But, um, you know, sometimes people just like to listen to things. Sometimes people are on social media. What do you want? So, uh, Craig, why don't you give them a little preview right here of uh, the live episode we recorded at Fan Expo St. Louis. Absolutely. So this was recorded Sunday afternoon and Sunday tends to be, I'll I'll tell you in a normal con Sunday tends to be more of a down day in Mm. terms of what's going on. But this con, the creators and the, the programmers of fan expo really put a lot of the panels on Sunday. So it was still a good crowd there. We were in the main expo hall in the creator stage. And so uh, normally these types of shows, I think, are more in like a conference room area, kind of like a hotel ballroom kind of thing. <laughs> and we were just right in the middle of the action, which was cool because we had a lot of people stopping by and a lot of people kind of just wandering in and out. I do make reference to the crowd <laughs> a couple of times. I don't know. I think I was a little uh, I was a little snarky at this moment, I will say. So let's set up where we were in the day. This happened at two o'clock. And so at one, oh, so at noon, mm-hmm. no, at 11, day, right. Yeah. <laughs> at 11 o'clock, Jeremy's day started with Mark Shepard. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I moderated the panel of Mark Shepard from supernatural and many other things. Uh, and then right after that, um, Craig, you, you oh no, you introduced oh, William Shatner. Yes, right? I, in- I introduced William Shatner right after that. Now, mercifully, that was just a, Hey, here's William Shatner. And I got to leave the stage because that was, I think like my fifth of the weekend. So I was just kind of like, I'm good. Not asking questions anymore. (laughs) I'm I'm happy to just say, here's this legendary dude. Enjoy his presence. Um, But then right after that, bing, bang, boom, Craig's up. One o'clock was Michael Rooker. He put me in a headlock. It was a thing. And we'll was, talk all about it in our recap. I gotta say, man, you you held your own. You held your own with Rooker there, man. He he, you were not letting him push you around. 
I tried to, I tried to, but, uh, and then, so this came at two o'clock and then at three o'clock I had Rob Paulson. So uh, my mind was racing because like Michael Rooker was a trip. It was really fun. And then going right into Rob Paulson. So just a lot of running around Mm -hmm. and it was just such an exciting weekend. Jeremy mentioned, we're going to do a full recap episode. So if you want to hear more about the weekend, please tune into the front row network, Uh, go check out our feed over there. I would guess that this will drop about the same time. Uh, So if you're listening to this on our first day of release on Friday, you know, definitely head over to the front row network feed and you should be able to get the whole recap for the weekend. It did happen back in the middle of may but i'll tell you what it's been an uh, amazingly busy <laughs> couple of weeks yeah. and we get to preview our next episode before we dive into this and that is that we got to talk to the creators of med lasso yeah. and it was a really fun and enlightening conversation mark and syed were were just amazing yeah a lot of fun uh, a very just natural free-flowing conversation we didn't even we didn't have like any sort of game plan for that one we really just kind of wanted to geek out on our Ted Lasso love with two amazing uh, people. And yeah, the conversations just went in so many interesting places. We got to ask some great questions, including their feelings on Ted Becca, if I remember right. Um, or at least I definitely put them to the beard after hours test. Uh, so there's a little tease for you guys. Um, but it was a really, really fun episode. I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. Yes. And so then after that, so that'll be in a couple of weeks, you'll hear that you're also probably going to get a bonus. Uh, You may have already gotten it actually timeline wise um, for (laughs) I was able to do a junket from Apple TV plus for physical season two, which premieres on June 3rd. So definitely check that out as well. Let me know your feedback on that. And then uh, as far as our plans moving forward. We may sneak in some news here because they are starting to do some press. There is a for your consideration Emmy voting press panel that's going to be going on by Variety. I believe that's slated for like June 15th. Mm -hmm. And so we might start to get some news out of there. So we may do a news episode. I'm also throwing this at Jeremy right now that (laughs) this morning I thought of the idea that you and I, because again, we're waiting for season three. We're going to do an AMA. We're going to do an ask us anything uh, about life and lasso and podcasting and everything else. Okay. And so it would be uh, great to start sending in those questions to front row lasso at gmail.com. And at some point we will record that. Of course, you can always follow us at peanut butter biscuits on Facebook and also on the Twitter page as well. We'll collect all those questions and then we'll, we'll answer those as we wait for season three. This will, that'll be a lot of fun, I think. Yeah. But Jeremy, you want to just get right into Fan Expo St. Louis now? I do, and I, I do just want to say I, I love how every time when we're telling all the stuff we have coming up, we have to like keep like Marvel Cinematic Universe level timeline <laughs> stuff in our heads. Like it's like okay, we recorded this one, and then we did this one for this show, but then this show over here, maybe it'll draw by the, it's it's nuts, guys. Um, well, so, it's so funny because and then this show is is every other week, and so right. a lot of my like my you know other shows are weekly, but then we have other shows that we only do on occasion, and mm-hmm. so we are just busy dudes, man. Always and busy and dudes. it's uh it's a it's a treat. But it is trying to keep it all together is kind of wild. I will say, I think that we gave you an outro to the episode. Yeah. 
in the actual live episode. So this is probably the last time you're going to be hearing from future Craig and Jeremy. <laughs> and we're going to send it back to past Craig and Jeremy here back, in just a second. Back to the past of Fan Expo. So here it is, ladies and gentlemen, without much further ado, our panel, our live podcast recording of Peanut Butter and Biscuits at Fan Expo St. Louis 2022. Enjoy. And hello, all you lasso-holics out there, and welcome back to Peanut Butter and Biscuits, the Ted Lasso fan cast for the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois, live here at Fan Expo 2022 in St. Louis. I'm Jeremy Geckner, and with me as always, my co-host, Craig McFarland. Give it up for Craig McFarland, everyone. Hey, thank you, thank you. That helps my ego at night. I yes. appreciate that. Yes, yes, yes. I really do. We've, uh, dude, I got to address something right away. Address okay? something right now. Man. I was just in the theater and Michael Rooker put me in a headlock. Michael Rooker did put him in a headlock just about 20 minutes ago. My uh, life is complete <laughs> because Michael Rooker put me in a headlock. I believe what he was trying to do was force feed you Dimataf, um, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. He was, he was. And it, at any time, sign me up, Michael Rooker. Sign force, me up. Force feeds you medicine anytime. <laughs> anytime. We were talking about Mary Poppins. Yes. Which happens to be Disney related. Sure. Something that I also love. And so, uh, but you know, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, folks. We'll be closing at 5.30 p.m. Pay attention, everyone. It's the voice of God. It is. The exhibitors will be closing at 5.30 p.m. In the, vo in the words of Ted Lasso, you spoke to God? You spoke to God? <laughs> Actually, in Ted Lasso, he frequently references God yes. as a she. As, as a she. As female. Exactly. Because so as we all know, this, God is female. This, this worked. It's like we planned that. Craig, why don't you start it off? How did you come to Ted Lasso? And why do you love the show so much? Well, much like anything, I was looking for streaming shows especially at the beginning of the pandemic. And, sure. um, and I know that that's a word maybe we, we don't want to think about while we're finally gathering again at a Comic-Con, but uh, I was filled with anxiety and I was filled with a lot of uh, emotions about what was going on in the world. Right. And I found this lovely TV show called Ted Lasso. And it's a comedy, but it's a comedy that allows you to uh, know that there's kindness out in the world that you can uh, experience that kind of positive psychology, that self-affirmation. Yeah. And the characters are so incredibly well-written <laughs> by a bunch of Midwesterners. Midwestern people, folks. Orland Ted Lasso. Park, Orland Park, home of Jason Sudeikis, yep. not too far from here. Brendan Hunt Brendan from Chicago. Brendan Hunt, Chicago boy. And so it's a bunch of Midwestern folks who write this amazing show. But I'm wondering, how did you come to this show, Jer? Well, uh, I got evangelized to buy Craig McFarland over here. <laughs> He's like, we have a whole network of shows, and we have this big group chat, and every single day during the pandemic, Craig was in there saying, like, you guys have to watch Ted Lasso. You have to watch Ted Lasso. You have to watch Ted Lasso. So finally I broke down to get him off my back, and, of course, now I've become a Ted Lasso evangelist as well. Um, but I also just reiterate, so if anybody does not know what the show is about it is about an american football coach a college football coach who is hired to run a afc richmond which is a premier league soccer club over in england and the whole reason this comes about is because the new owner rebecca welton she has just divorced her philandering husband 
um, who used to own the team, and she gets the team in a divorce. So to make him feel bad, to stick it to her, her ex-husband, she wants to run the team into the ground, so she hires Ted. Very major league of them. Yes, very major league, if anybody remembers that movie from uh, back in the 80s. Best baseball movie ever made. Um, oh. Yes, I see some I see some happy, happy oh, thoughts. Oh, see, there. those people are leaving because you just said that it's the best football, it's the best baseball movie ever made. I can't help the truth, Get out man. of here. I can't help the truth. She's okay. gone. She is gone. Not even not even referencing the fact that yeah. we're saying that she's leaving. Yeah. She's yeah. out. She's out of here. Look at her go. Oh, now yeah. everybody, look. People <laughs> are out there. They're like, oh, man, I really want to get up and leave. But if I do, the guy's going to be they're mean. Go, they're going to like be mean to but me. But just yeah. know that we're all kind here. We're talking Ted Lasso. We're talking kindness. So we're if being, you'd like to kindly leave, we are you're being, welcome to. We're being curious, not judgmental, as Ted would always tell us. And if you do want to get up and be curious about another part of the expo, we won't take it personally, you guys. Um, but the show actually does, like, as uh, Rebecca is trying to drive this team into the ground, Ted's positivity, Ted's uh, team-building acumen just infects the entire clubhouse around them. And even though they might not have uh, massive success on the pitch, they do have massive success at becoming better human beings. And that's really what the show's about. I think before we dive into the geekiness of Ted Lasso, we should just say that Ted Lasso is a soccer show that has nothing to do with soccer. Really little soccer in it, guys. So and that's kind of what we're transitioning if, to. We're yeah. going to talk a bit about the cultural references and some of the geekiness of Ted Lasso. And I, I think when people think about the geekiness of Ted Lasso, they particularly think about the amount of literature and books that are brought up yeah. in Ted Lasso. And I want to get that one out of the way soon because basically Ted comes to the team. And actually, when the, we first see Ted, he's reading a book called Dharma Bums by yeah. Jack Kerouac. Yep. And uh, he's reading that on the flight over to London and to Richmond. And then uh, actually he then later gives a lot of different books out to the team to kind of tell them this is sort of like the book I want you to read because you are focusing on something, some aspect of yourself. For example, Roy Kent, who is one of the captains of the team in the first season, right he's given uh, a book called A Wrinkle in Time. <laughs> Has anybody here read A Wrinkle in Time? Yeah, there yeah. we go. As Trent awesome. Krim says, a beautiful novel about a young girl struggling with the burden of leadership as she travels through space. He could he could say that he read A Wrinkle in Time. Did you just try to did you just try to push his arm down? Oh, oh he come did. on, man, be proud. To push his arm up. Oh, we just lost Iron Man Furry. Oh, oh no! no. <laughs> All right, it's We're a beautiful like book. Here. It's a beautiful book. No, it really is. It's a great book, right? And so it explores kind of that childhood wonder, and it also is almost a book about leadership and how to, again, uh, be able to be that leader in life and particularly on the pitch for Roy Kent. So that's absolutely, the literary references in this show are amazing. Yeah, but, especially also in a book that he gives to the de facto villain of season one, which is Jamie Tart. Now, Jamie Tart is a very pompous person. He knows that he is one of the best football players in the world, and he literally has no time for anyone. He downgrades and degrades everyone. He is very, very pompous. And so Ted actually gives him a book called The Beautiful and the Damned, which I believe was an F. Scott Fitzgerald book. His last book. Yeah, his last book. And it is kind of an indictment of superficiality, of uh, people who see beauty and their statuses as the most important thing. And that is a very apt book that Ted gives to Jamie because that is his clear problem. He thinks in his mind, he has this perception of who he has to be. 
as a footballer, as a person. And of course, we learn later in the series that his dad actually has a lot to do with how he sees himself in this way. But Ted is trying to give him this book, using literature to tell him, you don't have to be this person, and this is how you look to a lot of the people on the outside. And so maybe in that way he can get Jamie going. Now, Jamie, of course, just throws it in the garbage, so it doesn't even reach that point. But again, Ted is such a geek because he has this literary base where he can choose out books for an entire soccer team and tailor the books to what they need to be to grow as human beings and to grow as players. So um, I think everyone, every time we make our point, I think we should just yell geek. You ready for that? Geek, yeah. Geek! Geek, All right. yes. And then, so the, the next thing that we want to talk about I think I, I think I'm reading your list right, and we're talking about some classical art. Yes, the Rodin statue, <laughs> right? If, if you remember from episode two of Ted Lasso, where he's on the pitch and finally everybody's kind of getting ready for their first game, he's looking at some of the players out on the pitch, and uh, actually he's talking about the character of Isaac McAdoo, who actually we had the good fortune on our podcast to interview that actor, Cola Bikini. Um, and he uh, looks at him and he says, look at Isaac out there. He's like a Rodin statue in cleats, all right? And I don't know, you know, at this point in England or whatever, how, like, Rodin is discussed, how much Rodin is discussed, but I'm going to guess that Renaissance art and sculpture is not a hot topic um, nowadays. Well, one, one second. First of all, you, you mentioned an interview we do. I... I I, oh, look at that. The name we just dropped. The name right? we just dropped there, guys. Right, exactly. <laughs> but no, it's, uh, it, it really is like those kind of cultural references that are brought up. Uh, we end second, the second season basically in an art museum. Yeah. And uh, we actually get a Banksy sighting as well. A Banksy which is a really sighting. Fun, uh, reference to the art. And that kind of brings from the classical to the more modern art. Yeah. And it's trying to, in a way, weave in some of these cultural references that maybe we're not looking for, but uh, and I don't want to come across as people that haven't seen the show as if this is just like a lecture to you, but it's done (laughs) in such a witty and fun way that you kind of want to go and dig for those cultural references, even after, even if you don't know what they are. They work them so much into just the normal conversation people have every day on this show, and I think that's why when we talk about the geekiness of Ted Lasso, it again teaches you that it's all right to know about this stuff and to reference it. There's a way, like without sounding pompous or without sounding, I guess, strange, that these things inform stuff. Because I don't know about you guys, but you know, I call myself a geek. I call myself a nerd. I come to Comic Cons and such because these things, these properties, they've taught me lessons in my life. They've taught me. You know, I told uh, the cast of Smallville yesterday when we were moderating that panel that, um, yeah, let's drop that name as well. Um, we, when I told them, though, like, when I was young, my dad left when I was very young, and I learned how to be a good person, how to be um, a man, essentially, from Superman comics. Those were, those were what taught me my morals and taught me how to be selfless and how to be brave and how to stand up for what is right in every circumstance. And out of that, you know, comes this desire to just be a good person. So even though the genesis is in a comic book property, which a lot of people don't want to take seriously most of the time, it teaches me life things that can impart other wisdom on other things. So I love that like with Ted Lasso, they fold this into the conversations like it's not unusual. You know, he says, oh, a Rodin uh, sculpture and cleats. Like he's just saying like, oh, look, I'd like a cheese sandwich or something like that. And because of that, it unconsciously gives us permission to do that ourselves. It unconsciously gives us permission to feel okay 
that our nerdom isn't something to like shrink away from. It teaches us valuable things that we can use in life. Absolutely. And I think that they're going to continue to weave in those cultural references as we move along, and it'll just be something that we can kind of continue to geek out about as we go along. Yeah. Now, speaking of geeking out, anybody the, out there... Uh, geek? Geek. 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 Okay, geek. Right. Thank you. Anybody out there happen to be a musical theater musical fan? Musical theater geeks, where you at? Hey. Come on, musical theater geeks out hey. there too. Rico and Time guy. Oh no, the guy in the middle. See, somebody's trying to put your hand up now. Uh, Do you have a favorite musical? Yeah, yeah you. Oh, him? You don't have a favorite musical? It's okay, you can all? say High School Musical. It's fine, man. All right, it's fine. Hamilton's playing down the street. Hamilton's you right went down that, the street. Uh, Anybody want to go see that? Oh, how was it? Was Hamilton great? Oh my gosh! When, when is Hamilton not great? <laughs> that's a that's a good question. <laughs> oh, what's your favorite? The Book of Mormon or Avenue Q? Oh man, hey. you you like Bobby Lopez, huh? Bobby Lopez. He has I, an EGOT for a reason. So we are also uh, musical theater geeks. I'll join you in uh, Book of Mormon. I actually got the pleasure of acting in Avenue Q. Um, I got to play Rod in that show, which was great. <laughs> so I think I'll, I auditioned for that show and they told me no. Yeah, so I think so. <laughs> I was in the audience for that you show. Were in the yeah. Uh, no, Nicky Trekkie would be fun. Trekkie Monster would be so much fun. fun. For those of you who don't know, Avenue Q is a musical version, an X-rated version of Sesame Street. We <laughs> and should. I'm, not, I'm not kidding. There's like full-on, full nudity puppet sex on that show. So I would just say very X-rated. <laughs> yeah, there is a there is a song um, that is sung uh, called Everyone's a Little Bit Racist. Everyone's right? a Little Bit Racist, which honestly is and now, kind of fun. And now anybody that's walking by that has no idea what our, pan or yeah. our podcast is just went, what are they talking are about over there? We are keeping you all guessing, people. All right, but let's talk about musical theater and Ted Lasso because actually, and this was kind of a sad moment in the show, but it was yeah. something that uh, there was an episode that came out where they kind of did a deep dive on Stephen Sondheim and yeah. it happened to air the week that Stephen Sondheim passed away. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Stephen Sondheim, legendary, legendary musical theater composer, wrote some of the most iconic shows of all time, Sweeney Todd, Sunday in the Park with George, Into the Woods. Company. Uh, Company was one of his first ones. He actually, his first job was writing lyrics for a little show called West Side Story. Um, that was literally how he started his career. Um, but if you've seen a great musical, it was probably touched by Stephen Sondheim in some way. I'll tell you what, our, by the way, I just checked, and our cameraman on our uh, live feed for our group put us sideways. So I feel like... Sideways. You want to go fix it? <laughs> yeah, no, I think we should just do this, and then that way we can be straight up and down. Uh, no, but uh, absolutely, and he also references so many... There are a ton of Hamilton references throughout the uh, episodes yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's one time in the bar, literally, and again, this is again how the show just folds these in, and they don't react like there's anything unusual about it. But they're sitting in a bar, Ted's got something on his mind, and he just looks at his friend, Coach Beard, and he just says, can I be real a second for just a millisecond? And Beard finishes up, just like, have a beer and tell your friend what's wrong for a second. Like, how you feel a second. How you yeah. feel a second. Like, it's just Get it right or that guy's going to yell at you. Yeah, He exactly. just saw it. He just saw him. Hey, guys, if you're good enough and you, and you torch him enough, maybe he'll sing my shot for you right before we leave. Okay? Oh, that's not going to happen. You don't know that? No, I do know it. I, they don't what need if, to know that I know I do, it. What if I do it with you? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. 
Anyway. Did I tell you Michael Rooker put me in a headlock? Michael Rooker uh, did put you my, in a My head's headlock. still not where it needs to be. Well, also, though, on the show, um, with the musical motif, um, I, I just lost my point, man. <laughs> That's totally fine. That's but, totally fine. But the... the he is a musical theater geek, again, bringing in some of these references from not yeah. only old school musicals, but also modern as well, which yeah. I think uh, relates to a lot of subsections of people out there. Basically, the writing on the show is just so brilliant. Yeah, it really does. It really goes out of its way to be inclusive of everybody, not just in like the typical ways that you see, but also just people who like different things. Like I said, things that you might not be so brazenly open about what you like, but this show really does give you the sense of whoever you are, be who you are, and that's it. If you like musical theater, be musical theater. Um, there's a part in um, the first episode where he's talking about Roy Kent, who's here, there, and every effing where. Um, and he tells, you know, Coach Beer, he's just like, man, the last time I saw eyes like that, they were going head to head with Roy Scheider. So what would you all think if, if that was a reference right there? You would think Jaws, right? Dead eyes going up against Roy Scheider. And he says like, no, all that jazz, which is literally a musical about Bob Fosse. So again, it's just one of those throwaway lines that shows that Ted Lasso is what, Craig? A, a geek. geek. That's right. Now you have uh, next they go in an in a episode that's kind of pivotal to the first season called Make Rebecca Great Again. Yeah. Uh, it's the seventh episode of the first season. We're getting towards the finale. We're starting to see that change in Rebecca's character, who is kind of the antagonist villain of the first season, yeah. at least the first half of the first season. And they go on an away game. And at that away game, he gives the team an option. He says, movie night or pillow fight? Movie night or pillow fight. Okay, let's take a poll. Movie night or pillow fight? Where's Who my movie that? nights? Good. Where's guy. my pillow fights? Thank I, I you. I like that there. Okay. I'll tell you what. If they don't pay off the fact in Ted Lasso that the team if there's is not a pillow, a pillow fight, fight season three, point, we are going to riot. It's gonna, going, it's going to be riot. a really sad day. But they they do choose movie night. And what's the movie that they screen? They screen the Iron Giant. Who's seen the Iron Giant, everyone? What did that movie mess you up as a kid? Was that one of the saddest films that you've ever seen in your life? Well, there you go. Yeah, it's uh, it's an incredibly emotional and moving piece, but it's also about these bonds and these friendships that come along the way. Yeah. And I think that that's why the show, the writers decided to put that into that pivotal moment of the first season because uh -huh. this is really coalescing some of the friendships that we've built. Because Ted has uh, started to, in a way, like indoctrinate the team into his philosophy and into what he believes. And this is exactly uh, how that's going. So. That, that's that's basically what I have for Iron Giant. Yeah, and I think that makes Ted Lasso a geek. That's right. Um, so the other thing, uh, the other main character, the main coach on the show is Coach Chris, uh, Beard. I, I, we never learned his name. His name is Beard. Um, someday we'll find out his first name. But he also has a pivotal moment in an episode in season two, which is everyone's favorite episode of Ted Lasso, Beard After Hours. Um, everybody loves this show. But there's a point in which they're sneaking into a high-class bar, and as they're sneaking into this high-class bar, they're kind of getting found out, he and these three uh, bar rats from their, their pub that they always hang out in. And so to rescue these, these three guys, he goes over with this thick Irish accent and starts enacting all of these Harry Potter references. Where are my Harry Potter people out here? Good. There we go. We got these two. We got these two, right? They might have come with us, but we got them. But we got them. They're there. That's but right. this is funny because he keeps referencing Professor McGonagall and uh, Professor Albus, I think, is in there, too. Yes, um, and the houses that they belong to. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and goes through that whole riff. 
And then uh, Coach Beard also plays a role in simulation theory and talking yeah. about simulation theory, right? Who's heard of simulation theory out here? Where are my hardcore nerds at? Uh, there we go. Do you want to come right before you go? Do you want to come and explain simulation theory? You want to come? Yeah, come, come on up. All right, here we go. You you threw his hand up earlier, so Let, here let's, you go. let's explain simulation theory here. Um, hello. I think so. The, I, I I think this. I think it's like uh, the shoot. I forgot. Okay. Matrix. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So basically, the government we got like super futuristically advanced in the future. And like we put ourselves in a simulation, and right now this is a simulation, and everything's fake, and it's not real. Thank that's you. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Give me a hand, everyone. Give me no, a hand. No, that's okay. Uh, that's was... if that sounds familiar. It basically is the premise of the Matrix, which is. is what the simulation theory is, which is that we live in a world of artifice that we ourselves cannot be aware of unless we are awakened in a certain sense. And so now we've got a couple last things to talk about before, well really one more thing, and then we're gonna dive deep into what I think uh, shows and proves the geekiness of Ted Lasso entirely. But uh, in the second season, we're introduced to a concept and probably the best episode of the second season. If you wanted to check out an episode of Ted Lasso without a lot of uh, diving deep into the characters, I would suggest the episode Rainbow in season two, it's episode five, and that's where Ted talks about the idea of rom-communism. Rom-communism, everyone. Yes. We're and about to get it's into the, it. It's the uh, idea that he absolutely loves, first of all, the episode has so many references to so many romantic comedies. Actually, let's recreate a little bit. Favorite romantic comedy, shout them out. Come Never on. Never Been Kissed. What? Never Been Kissed. Never Been Kissed, good one. Love Actually, seminal. What's over there? Kate and Leopold. That is, I am a Hugh Jackman stan, so I will always do that. And that is one of my favorite rom-coms because I remember when that movie first came out, Roger Ebert, my movie review icon, called out like a really weird continuum part in his review, and they literally went back and changed the movie because of that. So that is a very good one. Any more rom-coms? Nobody? 16 Candles. Uh, Great John one. Hughes. One of the originals. We are in the Midwest. We got to appreciate John We got to call John out John Hughes. Hughes here. Shaun of the Dead. Yes. Shaun of the Dead is great. That one wins. I actually Shaun would have been sad wins. if that didn't come up in this particular venue. But but no, it, it, speaking of love, actually, that's referenced directly in the episode. Yes. Uh, as well. And they go through all of these different uh, montages and romantic comedy beats. And it just shows that like they have such a grasp of the genre. And again, it comes back to, and we talk about this a lot on our show, the writing of this show is better than, I would put it up against any show on streamer, on network right now. I would the, too. The writers are just so brilliant in how they weave these little tidbits into. Uh, well, what do you say we get to the uh, cream of the crop here? Huh? The magnum opus. The magnum opus. So. Our final argument. This is our closing argument yes. as to why Ted Lasso is a bona fide geek. The bonafide geek. I, I just want, okay, this is slightly deep dive property that we're about to talk about okay oh yeah so, no one's ever heard of this before i do want to make sure that everyone's heard of this is everyone in, in fairness, there's a couple of ladies that might yeah, not have heard of this before no but i, I don't want to go like deep 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 if somebody like hasn't heard of this property okay so has anyone heard of star wars oh, no. <laughs> no, well, star no, no. wars anyone okay see i don't know if we can do this oh uh, yeah right <laughs> does that guy 
Is that Beard Fasse from Scrubs? Is that Beard Fasse over there? Oh no, he's got a, he's got a. Okay, I thought it was a beard, not a. Uh, <laughs> apparently, I need to check my contacts. Anyway. All right, Star Wars, Ted Lasso, folks. All right, so. Jason Sudeikis, when he's writing this story, he said that originally he planned out three seasons, and he's blocked it much like the original trilogy. Yeah. And so season one introduces us to our characters and to our protagonists and really gets us a new hope vibe. Yeah, because for those of you who don't know, and there was a great podcast that our two friends down there were on yesterday uh, from our network classics that talked about uh, Star Wars and the inspirations for it. The Star Wars and a lot of what you would call hero cinema, hero comic books and such, they're all based on the scholarly work of a guy named Joseph Campbell. Okay, Joseph Campbell wrote about what he saw in mythology as the hero's journey. All right, who's heard of the hero's journey in Joseph Campbell? Yeah. Joseph Campbell posits that most of these stories from ancient mythology all follow a circular logic here, which is that a, a hero is called to an adventure is led by mentors, goes through trials and tribulations, has some kind of rebirth in a way that could be metaphorical or literal, goes through to the end of the story and then returns home changed. Returns home redeemed or changed in some way and brings that story back to the place that he was. This is the every movie is the Wizard of Oz argument, right? It really kind of is. Um, and Joseph Campbell's hero story, you can literally put that in anything, but Star Wars definitely played the biggest part of that. Because if you go through what that hero's journey is, Luke Skywalker called to an epic journey, an epic adventure that he does not know anything about. Called in by a wise mentor. Usually the mentor in Campbell's circle is always an older figure. And oftentimes, I hate to say this, guys, especially if you got properties coming up, but if you're a mentor in Campbell's cycle, you usually die. You're usually not around for very long because the death is usually a catharsis point for the hero to take up the mantle of all that they've learned. Um, why they can't just be like, cool, I'm ready, I don't know, but it's usually, it's usually uh, catalyzed there by the death of the mentor. And so obviously Luke Skywalker's mentor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, is killed by Lord Vader, his own... Spoilers. Student. Yeah, exactly. Sorry about the 50-year-old spoilers, guys. Um, but out of that comes his journey in Empire Strikes Back which gets everything, you know, there. And I don't, okay, I don't want to spoil anymore, okay? Uh, yeah. But you guys get where I'm going here, all right? Well, and that's where the second season starts to pick us up because we see that these characters that we've come to love, there has to be some kind of betrayal. There has to be some kind of low moment and low point. And that is actually kind of a spoiler for the second season. So I don't necessarily want to dive too deep into that. But there is a character who we've come to love that really begins to represent our Darth Vader and our Sith Lord yeah. in this particular analogy. And honestly, it really does mirror the prequel uh, trilogy of Star Wars a lot more, which this character starts out good, starts out very wholesome, very, um, we, we, we are rooting for him, we are trusting him, and then in a way, he just slowly, slowly, slowly starts to creep towards wrong decisions and starts creeping towards destructive paths. And who, does, who am I describing here? All right, we're describing young Anakin Skywalker, aren't we? So it, it's one of those things where, again, Sudeikis has been very clear that The Empire Strikes Back in season two is a very apt analogy for Ted Lasso. Not only do we get, you know, the, the 
very likely Anakin Skywalker, Lord Vader, part of that uh, um, season there with that character. But we also get a de facto Han and Leia story um, in Keeley and Roy in season two. Absolutely we do. And so Sudeikis has said that he had already planned for three seasons of this show, uh. um, which is, is sad to, to think about because we've really enjoyed this show. Yeah. And in fact, uh, I've enjoyed this show just about more than anything that I could remember. Yeah. And, uh, I would say maybe the the other show that I really have watched over and over again being The West Wing, but outside of that, <laughs> I haven't really taken to a show like this before. And so I think maybe we should chat a little bit about do we think that this is the end? Do we think uh. that we get the Return of the Jedi, which might redeem one of our characters, but then that's it. I think that, well, I, I think that also means that the show has to end with a bunch of dancing teddy bears, uh, right? So, That's right. And uh, some force ghosts. Yeah, Did you guys see the force ghosts down here yesterday? Did you see that if, Anybody was here yesterday? The, the 501st? 501st Legion? It was very cute. He had like a, a blue netting around him. Is it tool? Is that what that's called? Yeah, tool. Thank you. Yeah, it's a see? blue tool theater person. old Luke Skywalker. It was really fantastic. Absolutely. But I, I think so that... So do you think it's the end? Do you think season three is going to be our Jedi and we are done? My, my reference point for why I don't think it's going to be the end is that uh, season two of Ted Lasso was supposed to be ten episodes long, but then Apple decided yeah. to order a sec two second, um, two additional episodes. Skeletor just showed up. Skeletor is here. Holy moly. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so that's, this is the only place where you can get distracted by Skeletor, but Skeletor like, showing by. up. <laughs> like, are you serious? Here we go. Yeah. So... They ordered two additional episodes, and certainly the writers and the cast did not balk at that. No. So I think if Sudeikis can come up with a good enough reason and a story to continue this into a fourth season, he will. Or, actually my theory is that they will end Ted Lasso with a movie. So it will be three seasons in a movie. Not but quite like Community. It's not Community here. Six seasons That's in a movie. All. We didn't never get the movie no. out of Community, but... But yeah, so that's where I'm at with this particular show and this particular property. But I just want to uh, start to wrap our show up by maybe bringing it back. So that's, that is our argument for why Ted Lasso belongs at a con like this. Yes. And is a true geek. I did see a couple Richmond people yell out at me uh, today with my Richmond jersey. Nice. And it was just... It's just great getting to walk around this con again and be able to experience a lot of what Ted Lasso preaches, which is that idea of kindness. Yeah. Uh, I actually had the fortune to chat with Carl Weathers on Friday night doing one of the panels. And yeah, thank you. And uh, when we did that, I asked him kind of what is a message that he would like to leave on. And, and he talked about the idea of being kind and how much we need that in the world. And I feel like if we could take something away from this weekend that's more uh, of a, a meta-discussion, is that we really do need that kindness in the world, and that's why I've come to this show and why I love it so much. Yeah, it, it, more than anything, guys, the show teaches you that being kind does not also have to mean that you're naive. It doesn't mean that you have to be illiterate about the state of the world it doesn't mean it means that you, you don't have to not pay attention to things it's just that being kind being curious not judgmental being good to each other is an act of choice you get to make and it's something that you don't doesn't have to run afoul of anything else you can literally just choose 
to be a nice person to everybody you meet. It doesn't mean they're going to be nice to you. It doesn't mean they're going to have any kind of interaction that you like. But if you put that out into the world, what is going to come back or what is going to flow out of that? You never know who's watching you. You never know who's going to see an act of kindness and then go and do an act of kindness themselves. And I think more than anything with Ted Lasso, when you're watching the show, you just get this sense that everybody can be kind. There's so many characters that start out like such jerks, like Jamie Tart, and now he is one of the most lovable characters on the show. He's, he's one of the, the best people there. The, the first impression you get of Team Captain Roy Kent is that he's this gruff, tough person that doesn't want anyone to be around him, that doesn't want anything to do with anyone. And the slowly you peel back those layers and you realize he is a geek at heart as well. He's reading like the Da Vinci Code like a freaking fiend all throughout this show. So, I mean, it, it gives you that permission that you can be kind without having to like wear the label of, oh, the world is all rosy. You can still just choose to be kind when you do that. Well, and even kindness in our media, because we know that the algorithm likes to bring up the negative. And even in geek culture, we see so many times that the negative is what is focused on. We have a casting announcement of some kind of character, and all we see on Twitter and online Everybody loved Rob Patterson, comment. right? <laughs> right, well, and, and you know, like, then someone goes out and crushes it. I mean, think about... Uh, do you remember the the casting of Heath Ledger as the Joker? Oh, who here remembers that? Everyone when that thought, was first announced. Everyone thought he was going to be horrible yeah. at this. Internet culture tore Not that everyone. Apart. You're right. You're right. But that's what that is what the, you thought he would be great. For low. Yeah. Yeah. But then now. But then actors act. Now you hear. Now you hear his voice when you think about the Joker, right? Yeah. At least I do. And so, or Mark Hamill's. Mark Hamill was, yeah. But, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it comes to a point where I love that shows like Ted Lasso exist because we do need that kindness to cut through the algorithm too. And think about uh, what won Best Picture this year. Also, it seems like I'm plugging Apple TV+. Plus. We really are. Uh, I, we don't get paid by Apple, guys. I has, swear to God. Did anyone As see, I close my Apple laptop. Did um, anyone see Coda? Who's here saw Coda oh, last year? No? Honestly, one like, best picture, and it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, movie, guys. It is so great, and uh, you know, actually, again, name dropping. Carl brought up uh, Coda because we have all these ASL uh, folks that are doing the panels doing for the us panels this weekend, here, yeah. and just so grateful that that type of that community can be represented, and uh, hopefully, some serviced in some way by these types of conventions as well. So, absolutely, just. We all just need to be kind, y'all. Just be kind to each other. And as always, what Ted Lasso says to everyone, be curious, not judgmental, and what is the happiest animal on the planet? Right? A goldfish, of course. Why is that? Because he's got a 10-second memory. He just that's, moves forward. That's right. Moves forward, doesn't anything get him down. So as we always sign off our show. Well, I would say that we should promote just a second. What? If you've been sitting here. it up so perfect. First of all, uh, you can definitely go and find us on any podcast feed you want. We're Peanut Butter and Biscuits, a Ted Lasso fan cast from NPR Illinois Community Voices. And we would love to hear from you. If you are new to Ted Lasso, we have a great community online. It's yeah. one of the best and most positive communities that you can find. You can search for us on Peanut Butter and Biscuits on Facebook and join that community. We've got people from all over the world. It's kind of fun. It is. So it's it, weird. It is great uh, <laughs> to get to connect in that way over this amazing show. And now I will allow you to wrap us up. Now, now you need me to tee that up as perfectly as I just did. You want me to recreate magic? I do. Oh. Yeah. We're at a con. You can, of course, recreate magic. All right. Let's try to recreate. 
create some magic here. But folks, as always, thank you so much for listening to us. Thank you so much if you've watched Ted Lasso. If you haven't, get on it. It literally is going to make you feel better about life. And at a time like every time we're in, that's what you need. So be curious, not judgmental. And as Ted Lasso tells Sam Obasanya, be a goldfish. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, hopefully you got a nice rest out of it. Hopefully you have a nice con. We've got a couple more hours left, and I just want to encourage everyone to go and check out the artists, the artists. Because without the artists that are here, we would not have these conventions. And so go and buy a, a piece of artwork. Go and get an original print. Uh, go and get whatever you can. Just have a chat with them. We had such a wonderful uh, chat with Connor over there at Kill Shakespeare. It's great to just talk to these artists. Guy Gilchrist is here. He's the one that drew, drew the, the Muppets. Drew the Muppets, guys. <laughs> I, bought a gon I, got a, I bought a pencil sketch gonzo from the guy who drew the Muppets. Like, that's incredible. So definitely go Jacobus, and experience that creativity. Jacobus, the original creativity. Goosebumps artist. He's down there. The, like. Experience that creativity and just support all these artists. So thank you so much. I am actually going to be moderating a panel with a voice actor named Rob Paulson uh, here in the theater at 3 o'clock, and we'd love to see you there, too. So thank you. Have a good day. Have a good con, everyone. Travel safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from The Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for The Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.